It's great to have each one here this morning. If you're a visitor, you're only a visitor one time. You came to the house of the Lord, and uh, we're here just to honor the Lord, right? And I, I, I'm sure you've had a great and awesome Thanksgiving. Most of us have survived this holiday. And uh, if anybody is short on anything deep, please let us know. I think we have more leftovers than what we started with on Thanksgiving. There's enough to go around. But aren't you glad we live in America this morning? America may have its issues, but I'm telling you, America is the greatest place to live here on earth. However, this is not home. This is just a getting, place, a getting ready place to go home. And there's a place called heaven for those that love the Lord. And I trust everyone here this morning loves the Lord. I trust everybody's made preparations to meet Jesus. If you haven't, you'll have an opportunity to meet our best friend before you leave here this morning. But as we uh, enter this uh, holiday season, uh, I think it's important just sometimes just to shut down mentally, physically, and allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to our heart. And uh, sometimes uh, even our spirit shut down and our eyes closed sometimes. And boy, that's total shutdown. Tuesday, uh, a phone call came to our house, and it was a collect call from uh, a jail not far from here. And uh, when my wife accepted the call, for some reason, it was uh, it, the call was shut off. But it was a reminder to me that uh, we have a young man who graduated from our high school who made one bad mistake. He graduated with. Fallon, and he was a great student, never caused any problem, but he uh, graduated from high school, and he made a mistake, and for that mistake, he's spending a year in incarceration, and uh, the first time I went down to meet him, he said, uh, none of my family has come uh, to see me, and none of them will take a phone call, and so uh, I took a few time, a few moments to tell him that, look, we're not going to turn our back on you. Uh, we're going to remember you. And if you've ever had anybody incarcerated, you know that there's a treasure that the family has to set up. You can't give cash, you, but you put a deposit at the jail so that their toiletries and the necessities can be bought. And if they have no family, then they're out in the cold. And so uh, Jared had been down and visited this young man. And Tuesday when the, the call came in, Sherry shared with me, uh, you had a call from the Tologa jail, and for some reason the call didn't uh, uh, didn't go into effect. So it was a reminder in my spirit uh, that I needed to make that call. So I jumped in the pickup. I thought, you know, we're, I'm going to go down and spend a few moments and encourage this young man who really doesn't have a family. I, I ministered to his mother's funeral about two years ago. His dad is a is a, a traveler, and he's not home very often. And when I got down there, uh, would you believe I forgot they won't take cash? So you know, I... Uh, made a U-turn in, in front of the courthouse, uh, legal or illegal, I'm not sure. Tologa is such a big place, and, and I didn't see any policemen standing on the corner. So I ran back, and it was 12 o'clock, and so I thought, you know, I've got time to go home and eat a sandwich, and uh, I'll come back by the bank, and I'll get a money order and take to, to the uh, back down to this young man. When I came back to the ceiling at 5 after 1, the bank says, closed. So I thought, well, I'll just go to the post office. I've still got it made. And I went to the post office, and the same sign had jumped from the, from, from the bank to the post office. And I thought, boy, you know, this is not looking real good on my behalf. And so I made a phone call, and she, my wife had always tries to keep me on track. She says, so you can go to the grocery store, and you can get a money order. So I did that, and 
Most usually when you get to the, to the jail, they, there's a glass, and you just pick up the phone and talk to the one who's incarcerated. But the jailer was so nice to me. He, knew, he looked at my age. He realized how, how uh, uh, helpless or poor that I would be, and there would be no, no uh, uh, challenge. So he let the, the boy that was incarcerated come in and just have a seat with me. So we visited for a few moments and, uh, and, and uh, assured him that this church was standing with him. And uh, when I got ready to leave, he said, I, asked, I said, is there anything we could do for you during your stay here that we're not doing? I said, we made a deposit so you won't have to worry about the necessities and we'll make sure that there's always money there as long as you're here. And he said, there's one thing that I don't have, I've never had, but I really would like to have it. I said, what? He said, I, I would love to have a Bible. And this boy is 20 years old, and he says, I've never had a Bible. What do you think that did to your pastor's heart when I walked out of that place and I assured him, I said, I won't come back empty-handed. I'll make sure you have God's Word. So sometimes, you know, uh, I don't know, just maybe it's just me, but I can get in the fast lane. I can you know, run miles and enjoy running those miles. But sometimes the Holy Spirit has ways of just stopping us in, a tra- in our tracks and let us know how grateful we should be. And it cultivates an attitude of gratitude because there's so many people that are less fortunate than we that aren't enjoying the privileges that you and I are enjoying, that never got to pull up a chair to the table like, like I, I was able to with around 20 of our family and just enjoy uh, what we call Thanksgiving. So I, I just, I, the message this morning, I just, you know, we're still, we're recovering from Thanksgiving. Some of us haven't regained our appetite back yet this morning. But uh, I'd just like to stir the gift that's within everyone this morning, and I'd like to talk to you about an attitude of gratitude. I'm so grateful, number one, I'm so grateful because Jesus loved me enough in my unlovable moments that he chose to die between two thieves so that I could go free. He is my best friend this morning. Nobody else would ever give their life for somebody like me, but Jesus did. The Bible said without the shedding of that blood, there'd be no way that my sins, as horrible as they were, could be washed away. But Jesus took my place on the cross so that I could go free. And that begins to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. And the day that I I realized in the book of Romans, the New, New Testament, Romans 10 and 9 says, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. For with the mouth confession is made, and with the heart man believeth unto salvation. And the day I lifted my voice and said, Lord, would you forgive me of my sins, and would you cleanse me from all unrighteousness, and would you give me the strength to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ the rest of my life? And at that moment, he took my sins to the sea of forgetfulness, and he buried them. He tied a heavy weight on so nobody that even went deep sea uh, fishing could ever dive and follow my uh, find my dirty linens and then he adopted me into his family and I'm a Christ-like individual not because I'm perfect today I'm a Christian today not because I come to church you can go to church and be lost church alone will not save you water baptism alone will not save you Uh, being a good person will not get you into the kingdom of God we've just got to admit we need help because life is so challenging and we need somebody that will show us how to forgive and forget and love and be the kind of person you you want us to be and with these things God imparted unto me the love that I have today and it's so such an awesome privilege to lend a helping hand to those that are less fortunate 
I sat down Thanksgiving afternoon, and a, a gentleman that had gr- grown up in this community, graduated with Sherry's twin brothers, became vice president of OGNE. I rode one day elevator, I think, to the, to the highest floor there was, and then you had to meet his receptionist, and then you had to take another elevator to get to the last floor where he and three dignitaries that control OGNE sat by themselves. He texted me and he said, a girl that was raised not far from your church, the doctor has given her six months to live. And he shared with me the challenges that she was, she was facing. And I, and I sent this text back, I'm, I'm headed to Oklahoma City Monday, I'll make sure that's one of my first stops. And again, something began to well within me, something began to speak to me. The attitude of gratitude must be exposed to a world that needs to know that Jesus Christ makes a difference in all of our life. And can, we, can I just tell you this morning what makes me feel so good about being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? My experience and my relationship with Jesus isn't based on my performance. It's based on his. The Bible says he was sinless. He was without sin. Romans 3.23, the book of Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That included me. And you know what? I'll never be perfect. I'll never live up to man's standard. But can I tell you? The Bible says, Except we be converted and become as little children, we'll never see the kingdom of God. How many know that probably my children are like yours or yours are like mine? They made a world of mistake. Well, let me back up the calendar. And while, while I was still a kid, and I'm still a kid at heart, I still make plenty of mistakes. But, you know, we have such a loving father that cares for us that he doesn't keep track of our mistakes. He keeps track of the, of the time that we say, Lord, I just want to thank you today for the goodness of God and your mercies that endures forever. Put your hands together this morning. We serve a great God. We've had an awesome 930 class this morning. Jimmy Evans did an awesome teaching this morning on it's not too late. If you're a visitor this morning, you're living in this area, we have an awesome class at 930 for adults. We have two classes for the adults. We have classes for all the children uh, 13 and under, and we reach out in, in a discipleship manner, and we teach the Word of God. Then we come in at the auditorium at 1030, and we enjoy what we've already enjoyed. And then to some, you endure what's coming next. But I've got good words for you. The Bible says that he that endureth to the end will be saved. And you're looking at me saying, I'm glad you're closer to the end than I am. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I was thinking about the Tony Evans bringing the lesson this morning. Uh, it's not too late. And I, it stirred the chords. And I remember just a few weeks ago when our associate um, ministered this message to us, nothing is wasted. Let me ask you, what was your favorite message that's been preached in this church and you still remember it? Oh, come on. We better start over. I'll tell you what, January the 1st, I'm just going to start preaching last year's messages over and that'll cut my study time. No, I'm not going to do that. It, you know what it did? It just, it just brought things together. And it's never too late. It's never too late. As long as you're breathing, it's never too late to, to make things right with Jesus Christ. And so we're going to just, just highlight some things this morning. Maybe it's just for me. I don't know. You know, I tell you this quite often. 
you never hear the message unless it first preaches to me. And I was, I was up shortly after 4.30 this morning, and just, just my spirit was resting. It seemed like the Lord has time to minister to me and talk to me at, during those times. And even though I had a few notes to put together, the Lord moved into my life, and I, I just felt his presence as he warmed me on the inside, and he transformed me so that I could be here today and tell you the good news. It's almost too good to be true. We're alive and well. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I'd like to draw your attention to a portion of Scripture found in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, today. And if I, I fail to give these Scriptures to the sound man, but if you'll turn to Philippians, chapter 4, I'm going to share verses 4 through 7, if you can do that for me. It won't take but just a minute. If you have your Bible, you please uh, feel free to turn there, but we're going to look at some Scripture that the Apostle Paul shared with us, and I want to talk to you this morning about the power of rejoicing. Uh, uh, let me ask you, is there anybody here that never watched any football games the past 48 hours? Could I see your hand? Wow, wow. Hold them up just again. I want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. There's nine people that had their hand. I want to tell you, you people are more religious, than, I mean spiritual, than I am. Uh, it didn't matter what room that I went to at the White House. That, that TV was on. It wasn't on, it wasn't on Fox News. There was some football team playing. Did you ever notice that, uh, uh, especially an OU player, he kept running the, 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 the boundary of the football uh, field, and he kept doing this? What was, what was he saying? Sit down? What, what, what does this mean? Stand up. Stand up. Well, did he want you just to stand up? No, he wanted you to make some noise. I just wonder how things would go this morning if when every time uh, there was a point made in the message that I'd do this. And I'd just walk the goal line and do this. And then when you got on your feet, I'd say, do this. It, it would get wild, wouldn't it? Well, we're not going to go there this morning even though we could. But I just want to talk to you for a few moments about the power of rejoicing. How many this morning have taken time this Thanksgiving season to cultivate an attitude of gratitude? Have you ever even had the opportunity to be the Scrooge? If you notice the door of opportunity to be a Scrooge always opens. It opens for me every morning. I mean every Monday morning. After I get through Monday, I've got the rest of the week pretty well settled. And I've had pastors much smarter than I am, much more educated than I am, said, Monday's just another day. Oh, yeah? You need to ride in my pickup every Monday morning and see what happens as I look through the windshield. Well, we're not going to go to Monday. We're going to enjoy today. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 is where we begin. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Why would the Lord need to be close to us uh, in order to be able to uh, express gentleness? Have you ever noticed when a baby comes into this world, you know this is the first word that they speak is, Yeah! And the first thing they do, they get, they get the hold of the baby and they, Okay, now, it's okay, it's okay. Well, listen to me. We as adults sometimes need to know the hand of the Lord is saying, easy, baby, especially if it's between you and your wife or maybe it's between you and your husband. Notice what the Apostle Paul said, and if Paul wasn't married, let me say that. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. 
In verse 6, he says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And, number, and, and Scripture number 7 puts the icing on the cake. Here's what happens when we can conquer anxiety. Anybody here this morning ever been plagued with anxiety? Every time there's three vehicles in front of me and the light's been green for 30 seconds, anxiety takes over, and I want to hit that thing in the middle of the steering wheel and say, get it out of the way. That's anxiety. What does the Scripture say? Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving with supplication. Let your request be made known unto God. Sometimes our request is, Lord, don't let those people know what I'm thinking. (laughs) Moving on. Here's the fruits. God's promises, God's provision always gives fruit. Verse 7 says, here's what will happen if you will allow. You see, we we teach this quite often, but our emotions can be controlled. We used to hear this long years ago. We don't hear it much anymore, but... uh, People could get emotional in, in church or other places, and they said, well, you know, I just can't control that. Well, let me tell you this. We can control all of our emotions. You, when you go to a ball game, it's, I, I know it's easier to expose your emotions at a ball game, especially if you've got a, a teenager out there that's playing and, and they're getting roughed up. Boy, it don't take long for you to get real anxious. Or if the referee isn't being fair. We can almost go insane with anxiety. Open your blinded eyes. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And here's what happens. The peace of God that reaches far beyond my understanding will guard my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. You know, I don't know what's ahead that day that anxiety tries to take over. But I can tell you something. When I pray, I know that I sense his presence. His, he, his word says that he gives his angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. I, and Psalms 91 says, no evil shall be, 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 uh, come over us. No evil shall befall us. Neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling because he gives his angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. So, you know, I don't have to hear the audible voice, especially when I've read it and applied it. And today, this is like going to the doctor and getting a prescription. It doesn't matter what you're facing. There's an answer to every cry. There's an answer to everything we're going to face, and it's all wrapped up in God's Word. Isn't that awesome? And listen to me. You can read this prescription. Have you ever gone to a doctor and he scribbles something you couldn't read? And then you take it to a pharmacy you've never seen, and then you hand it to this guy that you don't know, and he fills that bottle, and then he charges you $100, and you trust him to hand him $100, and you don't know whether he's your enemy or your friend. You can read this, and I can tell you something. All it will cost you is time. 
because God wants to expose the greatest news that he can expose to all of us. He's got the answer. He doesn't just have the answer. He is the answer. And so as we face a world this morning that's upside down, when we see the things that are happening and the exposure of yesterday's faults among many men, let me say this. There may be some anxious hearts in the political realm today that are saying this, I hope I'm not next. And anxiety may be robbing them of their days and hours ahead of sleep. Let me say this today. The Apostle Paul uses two key words in the book of Philippians, and they're two key words that I want you to know. Because before I, before I share them to, with you, in the book of Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah was a builder. He, he rebuilt the walls uh, around a great city, a fortified city that had been fortified at one time. The walls had, had rotted and fell to the ground, and Nehemiah felt an urge. He felt the Spirit of the Lord leading him to do some building, and he rebuilt the walls. But let, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10 says this, and he, he draws from this because he needed the strength to carry out God's plan for his life. He said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Did you know every time that... Uh, that you laugh, there is a, a secretion in your body that fights off disease and sickness every time you laugh. Isn't that awesome? Every time you laugh. And, and can I say this? The Bible says a merry heart does good like a medicine. And listen, you know, I, if you're not there yet, you will. But one day you'll be like me. You'll look in the mirror and it'll, you'll get hilarious at times, especially when you get up on the right side of the bed because you, you say, what's happened to that mirror? And then when you start trying to cover the bald spot on your head and there's not enough hair to do that, you say, what has happened to that guy in the mirror? Let me say this. It can be real humorous at times if we'll just get honest with ourselves. And then I remember that a merry heart does good like a medicine. And I also think about this. Lord, you don't have much to work with today, but such as I have, I'm going to be, I'm going to, Tried my best to submit myself to you. I don't want to get anxious about anything. I just want to ask you to give me strength and courage to have an attitude of gratitude. And every time I see somebody, an opportunity to help somebody, quicken my spirit so that I can hold the door open for somebody that's less fortunate than me. Or I can say, good morning, how are you doing, to somebody that looks like they haven't laughed in a month. The Apostle Paul uses these two key words in the book of Philippians, joy and rejoice. And the Bible, the psalmist David says, Rejoice, for the steps of, of good people are ordered by the Lord. There's nothing good inside of all of us. We're all just a handful of dirt. But when Jesus Christ comes in, he breathes his spirit into this handful of dirt, and we become living souls. Aren't you glad for Jesus today? And as and, and I look at Paul, the, the Apostle Paul and what he has to say, I have to look at where he was when he was saying, you know, I don't know about you, but when everything's going hunkadory, it's not it's not too hard to be friendly. Hi, how you doing there? It's not it's not when when you're in a good mood, it doesn't hurt you to tap the brake and let that person in, especially when the highway's going from three lanes down to two lanes. And you and you and you and the guy throws up his hand and he's hoping you're looking at him and you say, "Yeah, yeah, that's good." But let me say this: when things have gone wrong. You got blessed out before you left the house, and the dog didn't even follow you to the pickup. And you got this look as you left the house. It'll be all right if you don't get home tonight. Guess what? It's a little hard to rejoice. It's a little hard sometimes to dig deep enough to find the joy. 
But, but the Apostle Paul was in prison waiting trial when he spoke the book, the book of Philippians. In fact, he wrote this to one of the greatest churches that ever lived. It was the first church that, that Paul had ever uh, set in order, and it was in Philippi. Philippi. And he's, he's so in love with these people because they, they're, they're people that turned their life over to the Lord. He's rejoicing in spite of his suffering moments. Uh, chapter 2 shows the Christians rejoicing in the service of the Lord. And, and listen to me, there's nothing wrong with doing things for the Lord. Just make sure as Christians we give him all the credit and we get the blessings. You know, the Bible says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, Psalms 104, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my iniquity, who heals all my disease, who delivers my, my, me from destruction, who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy. And then verse 4 says, He fills my mouth with good things, good stuff, so that my youth can be renewed like an eagle. Have you ever known anybody that couldn't act like an eagle? They're dead, but they're still breathing. They're not, they're not here. Don't be looking around. They're not here. I, I looked before I said this. It's all right to laugh. You can tell them next Sunday what they missed. Listen, listen, it's a joy. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet wrote this, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What kind of strength is he talking about? The strength to laugh when you're in an adverse situation. When adversity knocks on your door, the enemy hates to see you laugh because he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to kill, kill your desire to be a follower of Jesus. He wants to take away your joy. He wants you to look like a prune that was picked last year and laid out in the sun to dry. He wants you to lose your witness as a follower of Jesus Christ. But the apostle uh, or Isaiah says, if you'll allow his Holy Spirit to intertwine with your spirit. He'll cause you to rise with wings as eagles. He'll cause you to run and not be weary. He'll cause you to walk and not faint. There's a lot of stories about the eagle. I, I remember a war story that I was reading one time years ago before we had the sophisticated artillery that we have to fight in wars. The old eagle was a, was a specified part of the infantry, and they took the eagle out on the front lines, and, and they would have a cord tied to his leg. But as they got into the edge of the timber, they would let that, that eagle soar. As long as they kept that, that, that cord tied to his to his leg he couldn't go but so far but he had get to the top of a tree and the old eagle has such sensitive ears he would turn his head in the direction of the of the army the enemy that the infantry was about to to face and he would tell the soldiers there this direction walk this way you'll find your enemy before they find you and the eagle was an endangered species from the word get-go because he had so much working for him. Listen, Jesus says, if you being evil know how to give good things to your kids, how much more will your heavenly Father give good stuff to those that ask? Boy, that's awesome. I'm glad I'm still a kid. I love being a kid. I love surprises. By the way, I just want to take a moment and tell you the reason I'm so wound up like an eight-day clock this morning is you honored the First Lady two Sundays ago like she's never been honored in 52 years of ministry. Can I say, say this this morning? After 58 years of, men, of, of marriage, yeah, ministry, she's still the First Lady in my life. And, I, and when you honor her, you've honored me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
And as we continue the journey, I, I, there, I, just, I just enjoy meditating on the goodness of God and his mercy that endures forever. I, I watch the news until it almost causes me to, to <laughs> lose my balance. I, I, I lose my joy real quick. Just uh, 30 minutes of Fox News, and I'm starting to talk back to that, that TV screen because it infuriates me sometimes. My wife has even caught me talking. The Bible says confession is good for the soul. My wife has even caught me talking back to Fox News. She's so gentle with her correction. She says, I'll bet they're hearing every word you say. (laughs) And an urge hits me to merge, and I leave that TV screen, and I get out of the, the presence of Fox News and also some correction. The power of rejoicing. I draw from uh, another scripture found in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 4. Habakkuk was a, a priest in his day in the Old Testament, and he was given the assignment to bring the children of Israel back together. Israel is God's chosen people. They always have been. They always will be. And I want you to be praying for our the leadership of America that God will always give our leaders the uh, knowledge and the ability to know when you bless Israel, God blesses you. And we've gone through about eight years when we didn't hear anything about blessing Israel. I want you to know America is behind Israel today, and you need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem every day. You know why? Because it opens the windows of heaven, and God allows a blessing to flow upon people that will honor his kids. And Israel will always be God's kids. Habakkuk was a priest that had been uh, appointed uh, the, the responsibility of bringing the children of Israel back together. They'd gone every way, every direction you, you could travel, and uh, they, were, they had got involved in things that they shouldn't be involved in, and God was, was looking for somebody that would have the audacity to stand and tell the truth and be an example. Paul says, follow me. I want to show you how to be a follower of Christ, and Habakkuk falls in that same category. And we go to the third chapter of Habakkuk, chapter, verses 17 and 18. It paints one of the most horrible pictures there is in the Bible. I never want to forget this because, I, and I want you just to listen as I read and see the horror that's, that's pinned in, these, in, this, in this word that I'm sharing with you. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stall. Can it get any worse than that? If all your cattle has died, and you're, you're depending on that garden to get you through the winter, and everything in the garden has died, and the olive tree that brings fruit to your house so you can can fresh peaches and the things from the orchard, it died in the springtime. There's nothing on there, and, and it, it didn't even have any blossoms to promise you there was going to be any kind of fruit. There's nothing in the deep freeze. There's nothing on the table. Everything is just shut down. The stalls are empty because you're all your cattle are gone. They've died. Let me ask you this, what else could go bad? That is a time we hear this many times from people in America. If I didn't have any bad luck. Every time I hear that, I'm I'm glad I don't believe in luck. I've got faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
I have words penned by the Apostle Paul or by the King David that said, I once was young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Sure, there have been weeks in early times of our ministry that Sherry didn't go to the grocery store for weeks. But one morning at the close of the season of our drought that we had been living in, we get a call from a man 75 miles away. And he says, I couldn't sleep all night. I had to call you as soon as I felt like you were awake. How long has it been since you've been to the grocery store? And he hadn't talked to anybody. And my wife began to cry. She said, it's been over six weeks. He said, it won't be seven weeks. Your check is in the mail. Listen to me. God says, if I know when a sparrow falls, don't you think I can take care of you? As we walk with the Lord, it's one thing to say, I trust him when everything's good. How about when the cupboard is empty and the stalls are dry and the fig tree don't yield its fruit? How about when everything just goes south? How many of us will say, I still need a little help, Lord, and and gearing up and being joyful for what I'm going through? Well, I'll raise both of my hands. I'm not there yet. That's the reason I want to encourage you. So we'll all have seasons of drought. We go through drought seasons in our spiritual world. We go through dry seasons in our financial world. We go through dry seasons in our marriage. And we go through dry seasons when we're raising our kids. We've all been through the drought. If not, I have some good news, but it isn't quite as good as it needs to be. If you hadn't been through a drought, get ready. Hook up your garden hose. You're going to need it. Be sure you've got your dues paid at the local fire department. You may need a little more water than your garden hose will apply. There's seasons when things seem so dry. There's seasons when we go through that it just seems like the sun will never shine again. But, but Habakkuk says, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Two questions that we hear quite often in, in the generation that we're living today and the hours that we're living. And as Christians, we entertain this, even though your neighbor may not have heard you say this, but we've all heard it, and most of us have said it. Lord, why do the wicked always prosper? Why do they always seem to get the good deal? The other is, and I've been guilty of this, because God's watch don't run as fast as my watch runs. Why doesn't God hurry up and do something about all the evil in society? Is God all not aware of everything that's going on? Does he really care? Does he understand the injustice of seemingly prosperity of the wicked while the righteous suffer? And today, even in America, we're living in an age of an abundant evil when multitudes live in wickedness, working violence, destroying foundations, ignoring the laws of God as well as the laws of the land, and preventing justice. I don't mind telling you, I hate the word sanctuary city, especially when they try to explain the truth away. Moving on. I promised myself I wouldn't go there. God is not asleep this morning. He's not on an extended journey. He's right now working in behalf of you and me. And he says, I know what you have need of even before you ask. But if you don't ask, you won't receive. 
Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 34, after Paul and Silas had had their clothes ripped, they had been beaten with rods, they were locked in prison, thrown in prison, even their feet were locked, locked in bonds. And at the moment, the clock struck, struck 12. The Bible says they were singing praises unto the Lord. I'm not there yet, but Paul and Silas was. Can I tell you something? This is like going to a restaurant and looking at the menu. And you can see everything on that menu. And boy, that, and, and the waitress says, you say, have you tried this? Oh, yes. You've never ate anything better than what you're looking at there. And I'll tell you, it, it, is, it has a flavor like you've never tasted before. And you're taking somebody else's word for it, and you're reading it. Yeah, you're taking. Yeah, I've, yeah. Well, we've never been here before. This is the first time we've been to rib dinner. And, but you're saying everything's good. You're, you're not saying that this this pork, this salted pork, pork's going to uh, end our life shortly. No, no, it's good. Just you got to eat it to really apply it. You got to. You just can't realize how good these ribs are that's smoked by people of this church. Well, I believe I'll, I believe I'll have a, a plate full. And you round up that plate because you've taken everybody else's word for it, but you've never had the encounter until you've tasted the food. The reason that I can get so excited about the Lord Jesus Christ this morning is I've sat at his table and I've ate his food. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows that we'll trust in him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean your own understanding. The figment of our imagination will never figure out the plan of God. But I can tell you something this morning. You may, sit, it may, you may feel like this morning the olive tree has not bear any fruit. You may feel like everything in the stall has lost its ability to produce. It may feel like in your spirit that God is dead. It's been a long time since you felt the tugging of the Holy Spirit. I've got something to say to you. God's standing at your heart's door knocking, and he wants to tell you something good today. And here's what he wants to tell you. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I've got plans for you. He never, he never says, where have you been? He never says, what have you been doing? No, he says, I've got plans for you. I'm sure glad you showed up today. I've got plans for you to do good and not evil. I've got plans to prosper your life because you showed up. God wants us this morning, no matter where we're at, to realize that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the peace of God that absolutely surpasses everything that I'm able to think or ask will overtake my ability to understand. I think about another life this morning, and with this I close. When Joseph was in prison in Egypt, he had become the administrator of the jail because he had such a positive attitude. Listen to me. If I was ever thrown in jail, if I ever get thrown in jail, if they ever pass a law where you're driving more than 10 miles over the speed limit, you might get a call, a collect call. Hello, this is Pastor I really hate to admit it. Sherry won't take my call. <laughs> I need somebody to bomb me out. They caught me speeding. Really? You need to wear spandex and they'll never run you down. <laughs> Joseph. Joseph is in prison. I didn't intend for that to come out. 
Joseph is in prison. He had became the administrator. Who would want to be an administrator of a jail? The reason they appointed him as director over the jail is because he had a positive attitude. That's found in Genesis chapter 29 and verse 21. In the horrible, most horrible circumstances in which he found himself, he decided that joy would rule his life. Let me ask you this this morning. Who's ruling your life? Can I ask you the same question that I asked at, at, at prayer meeting this morning? Who's turning the light switch on and on for you? So many times the enemy tries to box us in with, with somebody that's offended us and, and we just can't forget it and we just can't flush it out of our mind. And, 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 and the enemy never says this. They're taking control of you and you're letting them by being offended. Oh, oh, oh. how about this? You get a phone call and things just don't go right. It doesn't go your way. And, and, and you lose it over the phone, and you say words that you thought you'd never say again, and you, and re, you react, react like you've never reacted before, and you slam the receiver down. And two days later, you're still mad about that phone call. You're letting somebody else turn your light switch on. And God has put you in charge of your own life. In John 10, 10, the Bible says the thief comes before the steal, kill, and destroy. I'm telling you, if he can get your hand off of your light switch... He'll send somebody else to flip that light off so your world can become so dark you'll come to the place you don't think anybody cares. Let me tell you what the Bible says about your life. You're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. That's the reason you need to be the one that turns your light switch on and off. Don't let somebody else control your life. Don't let somebody else steal your joy. Don't let somebody else put you in a bad mood every day just because you can't forgive and forget. Listen to me. Listen to me. I never had the power to forgive and forget until Jesus Christ came into my life. And he brought with, with his presence a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. He brought, with me the, brought to me the power that gives me the power to love my enemies, to re return good for evil. He gives me the power to shut up sometimes when I need to shut up. And then there's times when the super glue didn't quite go far enough but he never kicks me out. He never says, you naughty boy. Here's what he says. You need a little rest. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Listen, if this message is speaking to you this morning, it spoke to me all week. It's been preaching to me. That's the reason I can be so free this morning and, and just unveil what's the fire that's burning inside of me because all through this Thanksgiving area, God is just burning away some undesirables out of my life, some attitudes that I don't have need of, some, some things in my life that just can't be blessed by the Lord, and he's allowing me just to have a great intensifying time of rejoicing because I know Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of this world. Not everything's going my way, but I can tell you something, the joy of the Lord is my strength and I choose today to mount up with wings as eagles I choose to run and not be weary and I choose to walk and not faint listen to me I want everybody to look this way and I don't want you to take your eyes off of me for 30 seconds if Jesus can do this for me he'll do it for anybody let's pray father this morning I just thank you today for all your goodness and all your mercy what you've given us today cannot be bought with silver and gold but it was paid for by the precious blood of Jesus. God, you sent your son. He took my place on the cross so that I could go free.
I should have been on the cross, but he took my place. And I can never say thank you enough for all the goodness of God and your mercy and the joy that flows through us as we continue to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I just thank you this morning for the word of God that's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light to our pathway. You've called us to be the light of the world. And never before in my life of 76 years and in my uh, ability to know what's going on have I ever seen the darkened hour across America like I see it today. But Lord, light always dispels darkness. And I lift up every individual, not within just the sound of my voice, but around the world today. I pray, Lord, let us take this opportunity. Lord, allow the Holy Spirit to ignite the fire in our hearts and lives. Let the glory of your presence ever radiate in our lives today. Let us be able to release those people that we've kept in the prison of our mind. Lord, let us have the power to release them today so that we can turn the light on for our own life. May our hearts, Lord, ever be open to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Just in a moment, as the music continues to flow today, closing moment of the service. If you're here this morning and you've lost your joy, you've lost your ability to be happy, it just seems like that everything has gone south. And this morning, you just you you, you realize at this moment you're not here by accident. You're here, you're here by the divine order of God. As everybody's head is bowed, nobody looking around but myself, would you just raise your head and look at me with your eyes open and let me know that I received that, Pastor. Thank you for telling me the truth right now across this building. You're here this morning. Could I see you as you as you raise your head and say, that's me, Pastor. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Would you stand? Jared's coming to close the service this morning those that raised their head today, I want you to know God is faithful to his word. He's not slack concerning his promises that some didn't count slackness. And the 99% of this congregation says, I'm glad that I've got the message working in my life today. I challenge you this morning as we leave this building, may we be challenged to allow the world to know the light of God's word is burning inside of us and we can share it and be the example God has called us to be. Hallelujah. Father, we come before you this morning, and God, for those who would lift their heads, those who would lift their hands, God, and they said, Lord, I, I, I need joy. I need strength. Your word says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so, Father, we've been walking wounded and weary. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would just encompass round about them, Father, that your strength would, would uh, encourage them and uplift them, God. Your, your word says that in our weakest hour, in our weakest moment, that's when your strength, your power is made perfect. And so, Father, some are, are facing some really tough situations, some really uh, hard trials. God, some things maybe they never thought they would be walking in today. But God, we know that your joy is our strength, and we know that your strength comes when we're at the end of our rope. And so, Father, we give it to you. We lay it at your feet. And, Father, we say that have your way in our life. God, surround us with your love. Encourage us. God, use us as church family to speak words of encouragement, words of life, and words of hope, and words of joy into their life. Let us be builders and not busters. And, Father, we just thank you for that. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come to your house this morning. God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth 
as it is in heaven. And we give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen.